Advancements in telecommunications and other electronic technology provides us the ability to connect with people across the world in the blink of an eye. It's how you're able to connect to the Way Forward podcast and how the conscious holistic health community is able to validate and share with each other in this chaotic and uncertain time. With the positive aspects of this technology comes many negative aspects as well, a major one being electromagnetic frequency or EMF exposure. One of the more potentially damaging aspects of modern day society is the sheer magnitude of EMFs we're blasting through the air and through our bodies. Many are noticing a negative correlation with EMF exposure in our sleep, ability to focus, and even more serious side effects like headaches and migraines, just to name a few. And there are many studies showing EMFs cause oxidative stress. Many of us are searching for solutions to protect ourselves and our families. Enter Soma Vedic Technologies. I know I'm pretty sensitive to EMFs, and I have two kids and a wife who are highly sensitive to EMF exposure. We've been using Soma Vedic's Medic Green Ultra, and we can definitely feel the difference. I know I personally feel less brain fog, better focus, and a decrease in general anxiety levels that I typically feel when around Wi-Fi or electronic devices for long periods of time. Soma Vedic is based on controlled release of energy from precious and semi-precious gemstones and minerals and creates a 360-degree coherent field in your home or office with a radius of 100 feet in all directions. It does not block EMFs, but works on the body to improve various biomarkers we know EMFs negatively affect, such as blood pressure, heart rate variability, and blood oxygen levels. Soma Vedic is even shown in a recent published study to regenerate cells after EMF radiation exposure. This leads to a palpable improvement of our overall well-being, affecting the quality of our sleep, energy levels, focus, and productivity. In addition, Soma Vedic also structures water, which leads to better absorption of water, therefore more effective hydration. The thing that was most appealing to me was how much Soma Vedic's technology is backed by actual science and data, which can be found on their website. If you would like to try Soma Vedic with their 60-day money-back guarantee, visit www.somavedic.com for more information and type in code TWF at checkout for 10% off your order. Again, that's www.somavedic.com and enter code TWF at checkout for 10% off your order. Here at The Way Forward, we believe in living a happy, health-conscious lifestyle. But being healthy can be complex. Joey's Hot Sauce makes it simple. Using the freshest, organic, gluten-free ingredients, Joey was inspired to make a hot sauce for the love of his life, Lisa. Together, they live a life committed to health and wellness. So when Lisa said that she wished there was no sugar in every tasty hot sauce, Joey made that wish a reality. He called upon the Italian cooking skills of his 90-year-old Calabrian mother to make a hot sauce just for her. And she loved it. And so did everyone else who tried it. So we decided to bottle it and began sharing it with the world. Using zero sweeteners and binders, this sauce is sure to make your taste buds fire up. Visit joeyshotsauce.com and enter promo code TWF at checkout for 20% off your order. Burn all this hate away, hot sauce on everything. Clean, non-toxic, plant-based, and made in California. 
Earth source skin and body care that elevates your vibe. We feel best when we're living clean and simple with products that fit our conscious lifestyle. The average hair product has over 30 ingredients, consisting primarily of alcohols, toxins, and other junk. Jack Henry's best-selling clay pomade has a total of four ingredients, organic French lavender and MCT oil, beeswax, and bentonite clay. These ingredients nourish your hair and scalp while giving your hair an all-day hold, humidity and sweat resistant while adding thickness, texture, and volume. Visit jackhenry.co and enter promo code TWF at checkout for 20% off your work. Podcast with your host Alex Zek. This episode I had on Jago Pal, my fellow West Point brother turned spiritually grounded yogi, and uh, probably one of the better conversations that I've had. More easygoing, more free flowing. I had a bunch of questions written down as I always do, and I didn't have to ask any of them. I think I think maybe maybe only the last two questions I ask everyone. But Jago Pal is great. Uh, we talked about. A number of things. I think his his life story. We talked about Kundalini Yoga quite a bit. We talked about uh, how to navigate this tumultuous time that we're experiencing, this chaotic frenetic energy, and maintain your own centeredness, which is extremely important. So there will be a po- lot of positive takeaways in this episode for people to listen to. I'm so grateful for the connection I have with him, and to see another uh, former service member transition into a more spiritually grounded path is really, really, really cool. So I really look up to Jago pal in many ways as well. So without further ado, here's the episode with Jago pal. All right, Jago pal. Thank you for for joining me. We were already talking before and you were talking about identical uh, personas or identities and going, we started out with uh, free energy and yeah, free energy. (laughs) And then, I hadn't pressed record yet, so that was yeah. my mistake. I should have let you know that. Maybe we should just do take two. And start, <laughs> yeah, yeah, take two. Uh, um, okay, do you want to start with just where we where we were talking with uh, like the concept of? Yeah, I'll, I'll preface this. So what what Jagopal and I were just talking about was how so many of the things that we are taught to accept as true are patently false. And in many ways, our reality has been inverted in that what we are taught to believe about a lot of things are not what is true in actual lived reality. And I was talking about how Dr. Cowan, who I know pretty well, has said something along the lines of any anytime he comes to a position where what he is observing and experiencing, uh, he, he feels like weird about it. It's typically because what he had been taught about that thing was the exact opposite of what he was observing and experiencing. And then you went into uh, talking about so passionately about uh, the, the identical identities. If you would uh, just re go over that again, that'd be great. Yeah. Well uh, let's, let's touch on the free energy thing again, really quick first. Okay. We started out talking about free energy because um, um, 
I just purchased some land and we're going to build like a healing center on it. And then Alex started out asking me how that went. And I thought we were recording. So I'm, I'm just giving both barrels. Um, but, um, but we were talking about uh, free energy and how there's so many of these devices that were created and they were, they're kind of suppressed because they're um, classified as military secrets. And those patents basically get um, shuttered and they nobody, you, you, they, the people can't create them. Um, so, um, there was a, a one particular free energy device that I was interested in that you can actually buy uh, because they're only industrial, right? Mm -hmm. So um, I was telling Alec how um, I wanted to create this whole kind of power plant and uh, that this, this gentleman who created this device was doubting himself because he, uh, he saw more energy coming out than he took to run the machine. But what I thought was remarkable was how he was like, maybe one day I'll find my mistake. And that's how sure he was that what he was taught was the truth. And that brought to mind immediately a yogic teaching that came from the master um, was I teach Kundalini yoga and meditation, uh, which just as a background is, is um, it, it was a secret practice for forever, pretty much in this past age until the master Yogi Bhajan came here in 1969 and he saw everybody doing drugs and, um, and looking for something. And he also knew that we were coming into the information age um, where things were move, would be moving so fast that we would need this type of technology to tune up the mind-body computers to, to such a level that you could deal with all the information. So it's, it's a practice that's kind of resurfaced now for these times. And it's, um, and it's, it's an Aquarian technology, if you will, of the human mind-body system. So uh, talking about this free energy and how this, this gentleman I observed um, couldn't accept his, what he was seeing and experiencing his own um, real time in the moment because of something that was programmed onto his computer, into his mind in school. And that brought to mind a teaching that was always fascinated me, especially when I first came across it. And I've taught about it many times now. Um, and it's the concept of identical identities. Um, and by the way, I know your, your audience is hip to this, but this is the very core of the, the, um, the mind control that is done in a negative fashion because they understand this concept and they basically split personalities and they deliberately create split personalities to program people uh, to do different things. Mm -hmm. Well, um, the way the mind works is that uh, I, if I have a traumatic experience, I will create an identical identity or, or a split personality. And a healthy person, I was, I was telling Alec, the master said a healthy person has about 20 or 25 uh, uh, identical identities just to deal with life. And you could look at that like just playing a role. Like we were talking about, we both went to West Point. We were both in the military. So, you know, both when field I was both, artillery officers too. <laughs> King of battle, baby. Uh, so, so uh, we, we, um, so we, we create these things, you know, like, like putting on a hat, playing a role, right? So as a military officer, that was an identity that I created, that I, I created in order to function in that system you know and so we do that and, and and again a normal person has you know 20 or so of these things but then you you get into something if you have a really um series of traumatic experiences uh, as many people do you can create these identical identities to deal with and to cope with that pain 
And the problem becomes is when you start living in those identical identities more than you're living in your true original identity, which is basically when you're coming from the spirit. And that's where the problem comes in. But where that applies to our discussion about like doubting yourself is that um, there, the one thing that he taught, which I think was mind blowing, is that there, these identical identities are very hard to get rid of. And he said it's because you created it, right? And it's the creative act. It's like giving birth. So it's like your child in a way. You know, like, so, you know, like if you had a child, right, we, you, some, some parents like the child can do no wrong. You're very protective, right? Because like I created that. That's I love. I love it because I created it. Right. And um, and that's even a kind of in a subconscious thing. You know, you just love your children. But why you love them is because it's it's a part of you. It came out of you. And it's like the ultimate spiritual creative act is to create another life. So in a, in a sense, you're doing that same thing uh, by you're creating um, a life, but it's, 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 you're giving birth to another identity within yourself. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that's why it, that's so, it's so clever the way they've structured the education system to sort of control people and keep people inverted and going down as opposed to going towards infinity is, is, is basically they understand that concept. And, and, and so, you know, people are kind of programmed to go uh, limited instead of infinite so in, in this instance you know like dr cowan as you mentioned and and basically anybody that has this, this experience or the gentleman who created this um free energy device it's so hard to um break through that um the programming is because now get this you created the education right you participated in it so this this is this is a really key concept to to helping ourselves heal is because it's taking full responsibility for everything that happened to you because ultimately if i'm created in the image of the creative consciousness or god right and uh then who else who else created it right i i'm the i'm the sort of uh um instrument of the divine in this yeah. human body and the religion's done a, a number on people too to, that god's out there and he's doing it all um but no, it's 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 me, not my limited identity identity as an ego, but it's me as 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 a divine being of infinity in this vehicle, like in you know in the car. You know, I'm doing it in this vehicle. So that's why it's so hard, especially for super educated people. If you've had a lot of higher education, it's it's very challenging when you get into these um, meditative practices and so on to try to you know, undo all of that stuff. It's because you created it all. You know, you, we, we think that the education we had, well, oh, they did it. They programmed us. Well, no, you showed up and you took the course, man. You know, you, you, you did it. So one of the key things in life, and this is a really important um, teaching for everybody, everybody in these times right now is just take full responsibility, extreme responsibility for everything that happened to you, even the, the most horrible, traumatic things that happen, unspeakable, like how could that have possibly happened to me? If you can say, okay, all right, I didn't do it. I didn't want it. It was, it was basically uh, sort of um, written in, in, you know, written in the cards that this was, this is an event that happened and it happened and I accept it. And I, and, and, and I can equally accept that there's a healing path also that I can go and I can go someplace better. So it, it's very difficult if you deny one thing 
to then go to the other thing, you know, because of the, the dualistic world. So I think we're caught up to speed now. <laughs> but that's a really great concept of identical identities is that yeah. I created everything, everything that I have in my life, I created. You know, and and so if I'm having trouble changing something, it's because I'm kind of in love with the thing I created, even if it's messing me up, even if it's yeah. something that that's fucking me up. So attached to that I, identity, it, right? You become you become attached to whatever you created, and yeah. and it's so it when you start to realize that once that's uncovered, you realize, oh my god, it comes into so many areas of your life, like why you can't you know change this or do that, or um, it's because you created it. And when you accept that, then, you know, the easiest way to do it is, and this is another key concept is we don't want to fight against anything. We don't want to fight against the establishment. We don't want to fight against the vaccines. We don't fight against anything because if we really get subtle and look at the great masters, right? The great masters, take Martin Luther King Jr. for one, right? He was, he fought with peace, right? He, he was nonviolent. He never fought against anything. If you, if you look at his teachings, you look at everything that he said is like, I have a dream that I can create something better. Let's put our energy into creating something better. So the, the, the core teaching is that uh, we're infinitely creative beings. And if we focus our, our, our infinite creativity on where we wanna go yeah. and what we wanna create, then nothing can touch you. And, 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 and these, these um, programs and these, these, these agendas and these things that people wanna come after us with, that's real. Yeah. And, and it's an agenda and they want to, and, and it's, and it's, it's a whole operation and it's real. And but, it's important to be aware of them, right? Like be aware, but not focus all of your energy and attention on resisting or oh, petitioning yeah. this, this system that is, cause it's not going to change. Absolutely. It's creating awareness around it, but, Absolutely. but creating new and better systems that make the old one obsolete. So like when you're creating yeah. something more beautiful, people are like, wow, like this one looks so much better why would I choose this one? Yeah. And yeah, no, that's a really great point, Alec, because you do have to become aware. But the, the, the challenge is, and the reason I'm emphasizing so much and like, let's focus on where we want to go, is um, it's the art of war. You know, it really is. It's the art of war. It's kind of like the Taoist way. It's like, it's the yin and the yang. That exists, but I can, I, I, I want to go, I want to go with, the flow basically and go with the flow and the reason that i mentioned this is that i noticed this when we went to this um 5d conference one time with my teacher and he was teaching there and uh it was in vegas and we went there and i watched him because you know these like uh, you know the 5d conference of aliens and all that stuff and there's a lot of cuts like conspiracy stuff and everything that we went to like to watch people talking it was all you know the conspiracy stuff is all like super negative. Like they're doing this and we got to fight against it. And the, and, and the reason that is another yoga concept is that there are three major gears to the mind. So when the thoughts drop into the mind, the first place that they go filter through is what's called the negative mind. And that's a good thing. It's like, you know, uh, my friend Remington Donovan put it once um, that the, the negative mind is like looking both ways before you cross the street. You're not cursing the cars or going, those damn cars are going to hit me. You're just checking to make sure a car doesn't hit you. So that's what it's supposed to be is the negative mind is supposed to be um, where the thought filters through, right? The thought that you choose filters through the negative mind. And it's designed as a very positive thing in our world of duality to go, is there any danger for me? Am I going to get hit by a car? 
right? Okay, no. And if the answer is no, if you're scanning for any danger, then you should then you should go to the positive mind. So it's negative mind, then goes to the positive mind, which then goes, okay, now I can cross the street and I'm going to go on with my day and that's great. And then goes to the neutral mind, which is what, when you become zero, you connect with the whole infinity and that basically your whole psyche can come in and then you can act, right? So it's a negative mind, positive mind, the neutral mind, and then you can go. Um, but what happens in um, our world is because we're bombarded with so much negativity yeah. and fear is that the negative mind starts to work a little too hard. And we end up um, we end up not looking for the danger and moving past it. But then we just get get, get into in, in energizing fearful thoughts. And so back to this conference we were at, I noticed how um, many people who are have discovered the truth about what's actually going on, um, they get stuck in the negative mind gear out of fear that those people are going to win over us. Mm -hmm. But what's what we need to where we need to progress is that people need to meditate and plug in to be able to to and like that's why I got so in love with this technology of Kundalini Yoga is because I can plug into my infinity and if I can plug into my infinity, my aura expands, my electromagnetic field expands, and and literally electromagnetically I am protected. And I am basically, I'm a unit of infinity in my own little fort of electromagnetic field and nothing can touch me. And that's- Imagine if everyone just did that, that exact thing. Like everyone just did the oh, exact yeah. same thing. Or even if you just put your attention on that, you know, the, the problem is that getting past the thoughts, there's so many thoughts that you need some kind of leverage, which is why the, the, the yoga and the meditation, it's the technology of, of allowing you to neutralize the mind and then to cut those subconscious thoughts and those subconscious personalities to cut them to get rid of them you know uh, so that you can actually function in a way that you're you're plugged into infinity and flowing going with the flow so um all the way back to that is that so we do need to have to have the assessment of the negative and we need to know what's going on but the important thing is to recognize like this whole agenda with the vaccines and the whole agenda with like mind control and going door to door and all of those things is that that's not more powerful than me connected to my spirit. And period, full stop. I am infinite, but see, you know, that infinite also created this whole situation with the vaccines. And that's where it gets tricky. But that's where we have to go to, right? That's where you have to go to. And the more people are getting into their spirit, however you do it, just Kundalini Yoga just happens to be like this technology that has resurfaced now. And it's, um, and it, it's, it's an ancient technology that's resurfaced for these times. And, and my teacher tells a story about how um, the master Yogi Bhajan, somebody asked him like, why are we doing Kundalini Yoga? And it, it, they were traveling somewhere and, and, and the master turned and said, Kundalini Yoga is the fastest, most powerful technology um, for the human mind-body system right now. And he goes, if something better comes along, we'll stop doing this and we'll do that. Mm. That, that was his answer to it. So I know it from experience because I got into it and I'm like this, you know, as soon as I'm like the most unlikely guy to be doing this. Yeah, thing. well, that's why I, that was one of the look like questions this. that I had. So if, if you could touch on your transition from becoming a West Point grad, U.S. Army officer to where you are now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like... It bears a little explanation, Alec. It definitely yeah. does. Um, but, um, but anyway, before we move on to that, that you know, just for, for anybody who's listening, just, just remember, like, you should not be living in fear. Fear is a non-reality. Fear is essentially a non-reality. We create 
fear and fear is non-reality because the only reality is the universal one flow of the spirit and that's that's love the source of that is the love but so so how do we get to fear why is there fear well we live in a dual planet right we live on a dual planet of opposites it's just the way this thing functions and by the way that you know many different scriptures and yogic scriptures and so on and and we've all heard this um saying that the human body is coveted by the angels mm -hmm. well th this human experience is a very high um and important and uh um uh, and, 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 a, and a very sophisticated experience because um other planets and other life forms which of which there are many on different planets in this in the universe most of it is as the master said, is, is, um, is transparent. It's not three-dimensional like yeah. this. You don't have the physical form. Operating on higher planes, possibly like with beings that are of higher densities or, or yeah. realities. Yeah, exactly. So, so the, you know, this, this earth planet, he said, is like one, one of the few, very few planets where you have this physical apparatus and you can make very quick spiritual progress through this duality and the glandular system, the experience that, the, you know, the emotions and stuff like that. A lot of other life forms don't have that. And so they, this is a very coveted experience. So, uh, um, it's, it's so, so being human and having this experience is, is, is a really, um, you should value it. Let's put it that way. And so, um, so fear is created from that one flow of love and then it becomes because so everything needs to have its opposite in our world right so but you know if we can remember that everything is a trinity right so we have good and we have bad but what created that good and bad the one right so if if we that's and that's why we have you know spiritual practices to remind us of that because if we're only taking sides right as the buddhists say um one uh, one leg in two boats only tears me at the crotch, which is painful, right? So, um, so if we're bouncing back and forth in the duality without the spirit, then we get off track, right? Mm -hmm. And that's where the whole negative and the fear thing comes in. Fear is a non-reality and basically you should drop it like a hot potato. Like you should not energize fear in anything. And that's why it's so important in the times that we are in right now, we have to become fearless. And we become fearless by making ourselves strong physically, mentally, and allowing that spirit to come through. However that works for you, however they can figure that out. Um, so I just wanted to say that, that, that it's so important to not get caught in, um, in that fear of what's gonna happen because another really important yogic teaching is that when I engage a fearful thought and I energize it, emotion, energy, emotion. And by the way, just while we're here, the cycle of the intellect is like every time I blink my eyes, a thousand thoughts drops into my mind. One thousand, right? I can't process that many thoughts, at, at, you know, in a split second. So, but every time I blink my eyes, a thousand thoughts are coming in, right? And and so what happens is that I identify with one thought, one particular thought, and that one thought then gets energized because I have a feeling about it, mm -hmm. right? So, and as soon as I grab the thought, like a fish hook, 
Like I get hooked and I grab that one thought, then my emotions get involved, emotion, energy and motion. And then my glandular system starts to work, the pineal gland, pituitary gland, pineal gland. And then my that's how my whole energy field then projects a thought and then magnetically attracts the environment to fill, fulfill that thought, you see? So then 999 of those other thoughts goes into my subconscious. And if I don't process this, that subconscious, that's where things get into trouble, right? Because then I get, my computer gets backed up. That's where PTSD comes from. Mm. And all those sorts of things is that I have too much going on down in my subconscious mind. Uh, right. So, so that's the, the cycle of the intellect is I grab the thoughts. So as soon as I, a thought comes up and it's a fear, they're going to come. The biggest one I noticed lately is that like, they're going to come door to door. Right. And I don't even know if that's true. The first, my first reaction to it is like, dude, I believe in the fourth amendment. The fourth amendment says, I, you know, illegal search and seizure. It's a big one. That's a big one. Yeah. I mean, some amendments more than us. I gotten out of, three is like a couple moving violations by arguing the fourth amendment no joke i was yeah. like this is you know this is a traffic operation they stopped me had no right to stop me i yeah. I, I love the fourth freaking amendment right and so when i started hearing this stuff about they're going to come door to door i'm like bullshit that's a mind operation it's yeah. a psychological operation yeah. you know yeah so and i don't know if it's true or not and even if it's true even even if they <laughs> intend to do that you know Come on, baby. I got a trespass inside. Knock on my door. I'm not going to answer. You try to come past that door, and then we're going to have a conversation, right? So, see, that's the difference between they're going to come door to door, and then I start reposting that on. You know, let me tell you something. They're very tuned into how people react on social media. Well, th right? this is a question that I had that I that, that I've been thinking about <clears throat> since earlier when you were talking about how we are like co-creators and we participated in it and we need to take self-responsibility. Do you think the powers that be are aware of or, or do, do they play on our ability to co-create our reality? So for the people who are unaware, they're constantly exposing them and all of us to negative imagery so that we are consciously creating that reality ourselves. Like we, they're using our energy to bring into being those possible negative scenarios that they are putting out there. 100 million percent. Um, well, that's why they're called the Illuminati. That's become a cliche joke, that word, but the, they're the illumined ones because they've had all that ancient, uh, information to themselves, which apparently I've heard is sort of the Vatican. <laughs> I've heard a lot yeah. of that too. Yeah. 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 Well, then, yeah. you know, the ancient uh, libraries of, uh, the, the, that whole burning of Alexandria, the libraries of Alexandria. To, they, they literally just took that stuff and it was, yeah, the, it's the first false, first recorded false flag operation, yes. you know? And they, they just put that stuff in, in, in uh, to the Vatican. Yep. So I believe. But yeah, no, so the, the, the Tavistock Institute is about mind control. And it's very sophisticated, uh, a sophisticated study that's been going on for many, many years. And like I said, that's why Kundalini Yoga is so amazing is because it's those same teachings, but for, for positively uh, freeing you from all of that stuff. Yeah. But they know, they absolutely know that, that fear exactly the teaching that I was, I, was, I was relating is that fear, a fearful thought, it cuts your energy field by a third, one third. So as soon as I engage a fearful thought, a third of my energy drops away. So if I want to control people, what am I going to do? Feed them fearful images on social media and feed them fearful narratives on social media and all of that kind of stuff right away. So, you know, we have to, we have to teach people, Alec, to become, to, to recognize that 
and say, you know, I don't know what, fuck fear. I don't just, as soon as fear comes up, like, fuck that. Uh, I, that's not me. That's a, it's a non-reality. Mm. I'm not, my, I'm not, you know, and everybody has fears. I have fears. They come up subconscious. That's why I meditate. And, and the difference is that when I meditate in the morning in the early morning hours, those fears come up and I cut them. You know, and that's that's the practice of the yogi is that the fears come up in the morning and you cut them. And that's the power that power of meditation. And but, fear is um, not supposed to perpetuate either. Fear is supposed to be something that we experience in limited portions, like when we're actually alerted through our own senses and experiences. And then maybe, you know, pattern recognition of something that is about to happen right now or something looming. But it's not supposed to be something that festers and perpetuates in your system and is always present. I'd go so far as to say that we don't really even need fear at all because like, and this is, I'm exploring this as I speak here, uh, but just back to that teaching that I'm giving the negative mind to assess danger, right? And yeah. Danger. I, that's, that's a distinction. Yeah. Yeah. Danger as opposed to fear. So, so let's let, this is a very good, subtle concept. And I, I haven't forgotten. I will tell you my story. <laughs> <laughs> this is good though. This is great. How I got down here, but, but, um, but, but, um, in, you know, okay, so a human being is made in the image of infinity. And, and so, you know, we should be superhuman beings, right? And, you know, with the right technology, we can be superhuman beings. And, um, and so I've been given these gears of the mind, negative, positive, and neutral in order to function as a superhuman being. So in an ideal situation, let's put, let's, let's talk about the superhuman that we should be. The superhuman that we should be has got a mind that is 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 um, is mostly neutral and can in, in an instant connect to the infinity and get the answer right so uh assuming let's say i'm i'm i I've, I've mastered my mind right which is the point of meditation let's say i've mastered my mind right i've been given this negative mind to assess a danger and, and there's a situation, you know, and of course, these are all absolutes here, like, but, but you, you see great masters have no fear. And there's all kinds of stories of the martyrs, right? Martyrs, people who've been martyrs. They're like, switch over to my religion or I'll kill you. Man, you can't do anything to me. I'm infinite. And yeah. you want to kill me, go ahead. You're just going to make a point. You're going to prove my point. And that's what, you know, in the Sikh path, there's, um, there were 10 um, masters uh, called gurus. And the fifth guru uh, was named Guru Arjun Dave. And Guru Arjun Dave, um, they did that very thing to him. They said, hey, you know, convert or we're going to kill you. And he was like, you don't hold a candle to what I'm connected to, Jack. <laughs> and so they, put, they tortured him. They put him on this hot plate. And then, you know, and, and they poured burning sand on him and all that stuff. He never budged. And at a certain point, one of his, you know, his students, his main student came to him and said, I couldn't stand watching this torture of this master and came up to him and said, master, why are you doing this? You can't, you, you, could, you could end this with a word. Because, you know, when you, once, once you're a superhuman being, then the universe responds to your word and you get what you say can come into, effect, can, into being, which is how it's supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And he touched his students back and the student just saw like the universe and in all its glory. And he's, ah, I, I get it. Like that's where the master was able to leave the physical body. The physical body is like a shoe. You know, it's so like, okay, torture my shoe. I'm taking it. I'm taking it off. Go ahead. Have fun like a dog chewing on a shoe, you know? And so that's why, you know, like these masters have the, you know, complete mastery over their mind. There's no fear. 
and so that's why we look to the masters for that kind of stuff is 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 and we look to those sort of martyrs of jesus right everybody knows yeah. jesus he was nailed to the cross and you know they they say uh, the master yogi bhajan said that he, he actually became the christ um uh when he uttered those words um father forgive them they know not what they do if he goes up until then, he was just a great master, great yogi. But yeah. when he uttered those words, that's when he became the Christ. And that's why 2,500 years later or 2,000 years later, we remember and, and people are constantly calling on his name when something like Jesus Christ and something goes yeah. wrong. Well, think, like think of the depth of, of love associated with that and like the understanding of who and what we are, like as individuated portions of the universe to to say father forgive them for they know not what they do understanding in that moment that despite what he was experiencing the torture that he was subject to and the humiliation that his earthly body was subject to he was still able to recognize in that moment because he was so connected right that they are still the same thing that he is they just don't know that they are and because they don't know what the who and what they truly are. They have self-identified with these things. They are committing those acts against me and they don't realize it. Absolutely. And that's why the masters are the masters and we remember the masters. Why do we remember Martin Luther King Jr.? Why do we remember Gandhi? Because they just stood in the face of that and they and they were so they were so deeply invested and and anchored in their infinity that they, they, they weren't budged, even when they were killed, even when they were tortured and that way. And, and that's, that's the essence of the fearlessness that we're seeking out. So back to your, your question before about like, um, like or what you mentioned about like the little, little bits of fear. Um, yeah, you, you can use fear to motivate and stuff like that, but ultimately we're trying to create human beings who are so deeply seated mm -hmm. in, their infinity or like joseph campbell says it I, I like the quote he says grounded no actually it was carl Jung who said it but joseph campbell quoted it is that grounded in infinity but moving in the field of time mm. right so i i my whole point is like to me to try to ground into my that spirit. is the title of the episode <laughs> grounded in infinity but I'm moving serious, in the field yeah. of time great um but um, actually to to to, to clarify it's uh, Joseph Campbell's wife, uh, Jean Erdman, who was a dancer. They, they were friends with Carl Jung. And they, they, um, Jean, Joseph Campbell's wife, said that Carl Jung was one of the best examples of a human being who was grounded in his infinity, but operating and moving in the field of time. So that's, that's actually the, what our, the whole point of what we're supposed to be doing is to be ground, to get back to our infinity, and then to express that in the duality of time and space right but yeah. the problem is we get so attached to everything in time and space and then we start engaging in that and then and that's where like you said we get hooked and controlled yeah. and that's where that's where those forces that be I, this is what i like to call them some really smart but not very nice people right they're really smart and they're you know the the, the illumined ones or whatever the people who are who, the people who, are in, who, who have that kind of secret knowledge and are using it against human beings who are sort of unaware um, is, is they're basically playing on everybody's fear and, and, and self-loathing and all that kind of stuff to kind of corral everybody. And, and that's why when you ground yourself in your infinity, and there's another quote from the master Yogi Bhajan is that um, people say Kundalini Yoga is dangerous. Yeah, it's dangerous because anybody doing Kundalini, because Kundalini is basically the light of your soul dormant at the base of the spine and everybody's got it. 
uh, every human has got it. And, and so it's your infinity. If you're, if you're living in your infinity, if you're doing Kundalini yoga and meditation, then it's, it's a fast track to plug into your infinity every day. You can't be controlled for the reasons I said before, because I've, I've taken control of my glandular system. I've expanded my energy field. I've got my attention on my breath, which is, which is a gateway to the infinity. I got my attention on my spirit, which is my infinity. I started asking myself, who's actually looking out of these eyes? What's actually looking out of these eyes? These things start to come up. I sort of contemplate that infinity and live in that infinity. And I can't be controlled. And it also is a highly protected uh, path because these mantras that we use and so on, they create a brain pattern and then ultimately a pattern in my electromagnetic field that is highly protective, you know, because if, if let's say this was, if, if the spirit is infinite, if my soul is infinite and it's connected to all things, then I can chant the mantra of protection and that master computer, that Maha master computer that has given me my soul, which my soul is also infinite, can create a configuration in my aura that computerized calculates where the danger is going to be. And I I'm a, I've turned left when I would have, when I would have run it right into it. And I've experienced this many times. It's wow. true, you know? Wow. So, and so that's why mantra, mantra number one is, the, is like the, the, the key to the practice, you know? And for those who don't want to um, practice Kundalini Yoga or maybe don't believe in it, that's fine. Um, positive affirmations, you know, or just if like, um, it, you know, if, 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 if let's say you don't like the way I look or you don't like, you know, like, oh, that's weird. Or, you know, I don't want to do Kundalini Yoga. You know, let's say you have uh, some version of God that you believe in. Just 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 say the word God over and over again. Mm -hmm. God, 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 God. In fact, there's one uh, I taught this one. Uh, there was this one lecture I, uh, or meditation I taught. It was a guy who's taking my teacher training and he was um, heavily Christian since 70 in his seventies. And, and it was in an area in Virginia where everybody is super Christian. And this stuff was like, Hey, where'd you come from? Um, and um, he came up to me and he goes, Hey, you know, I'm full in. I created this center. I'm a seven year old man. He goes, I, I get it. I'm Christian too. He goes, but what do I tell these people? I said, you know, there's a, there was a, a, a situation where uh, Yogi Bhajan came across this guy who was heavily Christian. And um, he said to him, um, he, the guy goes, I don't like these mantras and stuff you're doing. He goes, he goes, you're Christian, right? He said, yeah. He goes, here's your mantra. He goes, um, uh, Christ, 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 no crisis, no crisis, no crisis. And so he created uh, this mantra for this guy, which is, which then it's, you know, it, it works. Cause it's, you know, it's the way I like to look at it is it's, it's all ice cream, Alec it's just different flavors. Yeah. So you like chocolate ice cream and I like vanilla. That's cool. It's still ice cream at the end of the day and we can both enjoy it. And that's the way it is, that's so interesting too, because I make a lot of parallels in my head sometimes between Qigong and Kundalini yoga, because in many ways they are somewhat the same in, in their approach of how like Qi uses, like we get Qi into our body. Right. Um, and it really is like, this, these things, they exist outside of religion. It's just when people are so tied to, like, again, going back to the self-identified thing, they're self-identified with that religion. They can't possibly adopt something else that goes against that identity that they're so attached to. Yeah. It get, people get attached to things and, um, and, you know, religion is man-made it's created, you know, it's, as it's, it's basically trying to create a concrete form for something that, is is formless right so uh it's it's almost an impossibility and that's the, again why qigong and you know I, you know 
Shaolin Kung Fu comes to mind and these practices, you know, Kundalini Yoga, um, they're so important because you don't have to think about it. You don't have to define it. The, you, all you have to do is, is experience the energy, which now we're at a place where I can tell you um, how I got into this. Thing. Yes. <laughs> um, go. Question the, number one. The, the, short, the short thing, the short thing about this is, is um, I, I'll start at the beginning. Um, I, was in, I was in Greece. I was stationed in Greece in the artillery uh, before your time. When we Dude, that is so uh, for already like, hold on. I have to like preface this, like, yeah. uh, or give context stationed in Greece. That would like never happen now. That is already so much better than any duty station that we have in the army. right well, now. So. Yeah. It has its ups and downs, but okay. In my time, because you know, right, I've, you know, I graduated many years before you, uh, I'm like, um, all your classmates are like gen generals and stuff right now, right? Yeah, like, if they're not so. retired colonels, they're generals. Uh, you know, I, I keep seeing these things or getting these messages like so-and-so got promoted to general and that's like mind-blowing. You know, my, my, one of my best friends in the army, um, uh, we were lieutenants together at that time, L Lieutenant Ross Kaufman. Um, and we, I, I was just in Las Cruces visiting my mom. And as you know, Las Cruces is right next to El Paso, Texas, is where Fort Bliss, where yep. I was stationed. And so I flew into El Paso and I'm driving up to 10 and I see Mesa Street and I'm like, I have to go by my old apartment. And so I drove by and I took a picture of my old apartment and it was, I was on the left, Lieutenant Ross Kaufman was on the right, and he is now going for a second star. And I absolutely, I love that. It's my, you know, like one of my best friends is now going to be a two-star general. And I think that's just the most fantastic thing. That's never something I wanted for myself. I got out after five. I, I knew I had a whole nother path, you know, you know, intuitively. But man, you know, every time I talk to him, every time, like the fact that, you know, he's a general, that my classmates are generals. I just love it. Just I love it, man. You know, like th that, that some of these guys have just gone all the way. It's just fantastic. But anyway, um, so I, I, I was stationed in Greece. And just to give that some context, um, in 1990, they uh, passed an a, 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 a arms limitation treaty. And so prior to that, we had um, nu uh, uh, artillery fired nukes. I don't know if you know this, but- um, I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, this is before your time. So when I, when I got in, it was the end of it, but um, it was still, it was just at the end, the ending of the Cold War because yeah, right yeah. there around 1990s when the Berlin Wall broke down and, um, and so uh, we were still like, I, I went through West Point through like the Cold War and everything we were taught, we trained against, you know, Russian tactics and all that kind of stuff. And so um, what I got into was I was assigned to a nuclear detachment in Greece. So these were NATO detachments in Greece and Turkey and Italy, where there were little portions on like a Greek base where we were custodians for the nuclear weapons. And so that's, that was my first job was that they had these artillery fired nukes. And I remember the moment that like I was sitting there going, okay, well, this howitzer can shoot 10 miles on a max charge. And, and this is a nine kiloton nuke, which is the same thing that they used on the very first atomic bomb in Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And that covered a much, much bigger range. And I was like, if we have to fire these things or at least give them over to the Greeks, then, you know, that's a suicide mission. Yeah. And I was like, okay, that's what I signed up for, you know, because yeah. that's the mentality, you know, like, and that's yeah. fine because, and I'm okay with that, you know, because I signed up to do that job, 
you know, mm -hmm. um, at that time. But I also recognized the insanity of it, which oh, I don't think made me a better person because I was like willing to die for, you know, what I believed in at the time, which, you know, is to protect our country and our loved ones, right? Which is also, again, like you said before, how they can can use some of that stuff against us, right? There's, I, I can't, I always am appalled and, and bummed when I hear these stories about soldiers being abused or, you know, like that basically for their patriotism and stuff like that. Yeah, That's yeah. a whole nother story. Um, just that the whole preface is that, okay, so I was stationed in Greece and I had a, a, this roommate, Tom Lynch, who uh, I knew at West Point, who's a fantastic guy, real quiet, sort of sardonic guy, but he was like, you know, still waters run deep. And so we would um, we would get these, um, which you could only get in Europe. There's Amstel Bach. It was these dark beers, like from you know that that they made. So we <clears throat> he would get these cases of them, bring them home, and he would always get home from the ba the base, the detachment, earlier than me. And so I'd walk in, and he'd be sitting there reading the Tao Te Ching, drinking an Amstel Bach, and. You know, I was like an agitated guy all over the place, you know, uh, super Aries, like <laughs> trying to like, I just get ready to go downtown and, you know, do whatever. I'm red blooded American 20 year old guy. Yeah, you know, yeah. What am I doing? Right. I'm going to party. Right. In Europe. Yeah. So. So. Uh, and I'm in Greece. Right. So what better place to do that? So uh, I come home one day and I see him sitting there and this is many times i see him sitting there reading this book with chinese letters on the front of it and i and finally i'm like dude what the hell is that you're reading every day i come home you're sitting there like a monk what, what's going on and he just goes and he hands me the book he didn't even say anything right just hands me the Tao de ching and i open it to a page and i remember i remember it. this is 30 years ago i remember it the exact thing it said and it goes Ruling a country is like cooking a small fish. And, it, and I instantly got it, right? I wasn't a dumb guy, although I acted dumb. Uh, it's a delicate matter, ruling a country. And I went, it was, it's a koan, you know? It's, it's, a, it's like this, this Taoist um, poem, in a sense. And, and it blew my mind. I was like, huh. And then I gave it back to him and grabbed a beer and went on about like being a 20 year old. Right. But it never, it changed me. That moment changed me. Uh -huh. And, and then um, we actually, we were 20 year olds. We met these British girls and they came to live with us at the, you know, in, in our, our house at this place. And uh, this is, this is definitely material to the story. Um, they were avid readers, you know, these, these British girls that were traveling the world. And Tom obviously was an avid reader also. And, I was an avid partier at the time, <laughs> so, um, but I heard that we, they would be sitting around discussing books and all these things. And, and I, I, I was just like, felt feeling kind of left out. So before I left Greece, this is so then the, um, about August, the, um, the first Gulf War starts, Operation Desert Storm starts because they, you know, they invaded Kuwait and all that kind of stuff happened. And then the, the party in Greece started to find out because we got locked down on the base, everything started to get real started to get real up in the Whole Foods parking lot. And, um, and so um, it wasn't as much funny, but we were kind of locked down and the girls left and then um, we were just kind of uh, there. So um, we were, uh, we basically just 
wanted to move on to our next duty station, but they locked us down. So I stole my orders. I had my orders stolen from the, um, the PSC and then got um, my, to my next station, which was Fort Bliss, but they were already over in, in Iraq. So anyway, oh, we, we just wanted to get out of there. So um, I'm leaving the country and Tom hands me the Tao, uh, the Tao of Pooh, this book. And it was a gift, right? And I got on and happened to know somebody in Olympic Air, Airways and she was at the counter when I was there. She put me in first class. So I read first class over back to the United States. I'm going the long way here, we got time, right? Uh -huh. First class over to you know, Fort Bliss basically. And I consumed this book. It was so awesome, the Tao of Pooh. It's basically Taoism. I've never heard of it. Taoism explained through the story of Winnie the Pooh. It's, it's uh -huh. a genius. It's genius by Benjamin Hoff, H-O-F-F. -F. And that was the big thing that started me on the spiritual path. So I'm grateful to all those people that I grew up with there in that house, because that was the start of my spiritual journey. Is, is I'm grateful we, for Tom Lynch just looking at you and just like... <laughs> Yeah, no, and, and and I even told him that. And he's like, dude, don't blame this on me. <laughs> and we're still friends to this day. You know, we have my wife and I have a business and we are partners with this company called Zazzle.com. And we had to create this computer interface. And Tom is now a computer programmer. Um, he programs for these big corporations and stuff. So I knew that and I called him up and I said, hey, man, I got to create this. I got to create my own code for this freaking thing so we can receive the orders. He goes, yeah. I'll take a look at it. And he basically built this thing for us for free. That's that's wow. how you know how that thing is, how roommates from West Point and all that kind of stuff, the yes. army buddy. That's the one thing I miss about being a civilian is that kind of thing is where like I can make a call to one of my I can make a call to one of my army buddies. This is the depth of love, you know, brotherly love. Is that like I can make a I was really sick one time and I had like walking pneumonia, didn't know it, and, and I just kind of guessed at it. But I didn't have any medical insurance at the time, I was a starving artist. And um, a friend of mine worked, a friend of mine, Mark House, who was a real good friend at West Point, worked for a pharmaceutical company. And um, I called him up and I was like, dude, I'm I'm really sick. He, I go, I know I need antibiotics because I talked to somebody who, you know, recommended who's in the business and recommended that I get this antibiotic. And I go, it's a holiday weekend. I can't drive down to Mexico or anything, get these things. And then, but I'm, I'm like really sick. And he goes, call you back in an hour. Like that. Hung up the phone, call, phone rings. Meet me in this parking lot in uh, in the valley because uh, I talked to my girlfriend. She's a she's a pharmaceutical rep with this doctor. It, this isn't the antibiotic need. Actually, the one you need. We have like a bunch of samples. I'll give them to you. And I saved my life, you know. So I, yeah. I drive up to the uh, parking lot in the valley. He goes, "Hey man, you know we're talking." Gives me the antibiotics and you know, it's basically saved my life. That that's uh, how it is with that's how that it is. is how that is how like those relationships that you form especially coming from West Point, like there's just nothing, there's nothing like it. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's, that's the one thing that I miss. I mean, it's still there, but you know, you move on to other things, you know, it's not like that people, civilians, people who have, you know, they never had that experience. There's just nothing like it. I, and yeah. I, I, I do miss that the camaraderie. And, well, and that's like, that's why we, like, I've felt this connection with instantly, you. When, instantly. Yeah, yes. When Guru get told me about you, I was like, oh, my God, this is going to be great already. I already knew. Yeah, I believe, I believe Guru Jagat told me, too. She's like, you got to talk to Alec. Um, he's a West Point grad. So she sent me a message. And then I was like, um, and then when we finally connected, what did we talk for, like two hours while I was driving yeah. somewhere? Yeah. <laughs> and um, and then we got on the Zoom at, at some point. But no, it's, it's an instant connection, you know. <clears throat> so. So I, I so the Tao of Pooh just opened that thing for me, right? So Tao, so then I started getting the Tao's Taoism. I bought the Tao to Ching, and I would read it from time to time. 
And then I got into everything I could kind of get my hands on. In my spare time, I would go out to the you know bookstore or the library and I would get these books and I'd just consume these books like Castaneda and all this stuff. Um, and, and this is going back to my point before is that it's about the experience of the energy um, because all these books and everything that I read um, just paled in comparison to when I found Kundalini Yoga. So I was getting into the kind of spiritual path and I was going down the path of writing and, um, and I had been in Los Angeles for a while. And there's a great book called um, Reflections on the Art of Living. With, mm -hmm. uh, and it's, it's a woman, Diane Osbon, O-S-B-O-N. You'd really like that book. I consider it to be my Bible, to be honest with you. It's wow. the first book that like fell off the shelf at me and cracked me over the head. <clears throat> like really changed my life. It was the Reflections in the Art of Living by Diane K. Osbon, O-S-B-O-N. And she um, was a very avid student of, of um, Joseph Campbell. And she took all of her collected teachings that she experienced with him and put it into this book about the different stages we go through in life. And so the, all those teachings and, and it's, it goes into everything like so deeply, the mythology and the symbolism of, of religion, of Passover and, and Easter and the resurrection. And I mean, it's just really great stuff. But even that, only took me so far um and but but in that book uh she had related uh, a teaching from joseph campbell where he had studied kundalini and the chakras right and now ordinarily like okay our background my background i was born in, i was born in new york city in, in 1967 new york hospital in manhattan we are my family lived in the bronx irish catholic family 11 people in a in a three in a five room apartment it was you know irish catholic poverty right and um my mom was a single mother unheard of in not unheard of but very very looked down upon in irish catholicism <clears throat> catholicism in general in the 60s so um so there was this whole sort of scandal and to cover the scandal the lied about who my father actually was all this stuff right so i come into the bronx my mom eventually becomes a nurse. She remarries um, and she marries a, a homicide, New York City homicide detective. So cop, nurse, Bronx, moved to Queens, blue collar. Not your prescription for this. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like not, not like the normal career path. Okay? Yeah, for sure. Not something that we like. Especially oh, like adding West sense. Point on top of that, though, too. Like right. adding exactly. West Point. Yeah. So, then, yeah. so then from like Stuyvesant High School in Manhattan to West Point to, um, you know, screenwriting and film school in Los Angeles to this, right? Not your normal career path, you know? So, and this is also a testament to how things are written, you know, in your, you know, like your, your, your destiny, right? And it's not, you know, and then, and, the, and what it takes to follow your destiny, you know, but... Um, so I'm out in LA and, and I see this teaching in, in this book, um, which is about the chakras and it's very fascinating the way he puts it, you know, cause he's a real academic guy, but I trust him because I really believe, you know, like I, I enjoy what he's written about. So he's not some airy fairy hippie person. Right. And, um, which at the time would have just turned me off because I'm still like short haircut military guy. And I'm like, you know, freaking hippies, granola crunching, get away from me. Right. I don't, you know, like I'm, I'm, you know. I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to work out. Yeah. So uh, actually, you know, when I, when I first got out to 
LA, I, I was living in this house with these guys who I was in Greece with, and and uh, they called it the home for wayward boys. One of our guys was in Greece with us, uh, was an engineer, and he went to work for uh, for one of these co- big defense contractors, and he was back in Greece, but he had bought a house, and we all lived in that house, which is funny. So in the midst of being in that house with uh, my friend Billy Schwab, we went up to the mountains when they were mountain biking. So I go flying off this mountain bike and and practically break my back like in one part mm-hmm. and um long story longer i i couldn't really lift weights like i used to mm-hmm. um because every time i would lift i would like this I, I damaged some of the small muscles in my back near my spine uh-huh. i had thrown these ribs out of place and i finally found a chiropractor who figured it out <clears throat> but but whenever i'd go to lift i'd throw my back out and i was it was driving me crazy so i when i got down to like i joined the ymca in hollywood i was i was i'd see these yoga classes and people told me i'll oh, try the yoga classes they're you know they'd be good for stretching and all that stuff so i would i got into all different kinds of yoga like power yoga hot yoga anything that they had at the y and they did have a couple of kundalini classes and i and, and so Joseph Campbell had mentioned, you know, the Kundalini and how it applies to the chakras and how the lower three chakras are frequencies that correspond to the earth. And then the heart opens and the heart is uh, the, the gateway to the infinity and the upper three chakras correspond to the infinity. So you got heaven and earth all basically <clears throat> receiving and transmitting in frequencies of these chakras in the body. Mm-hmm. And they are, they're relays. They're like relays of energy. And, and I really liked his explanation of that. It wasn't granola and airy fairy. And so I remembered it. And then when I saw the word Kundalini in this class at the YMCA, I was like, I'll try that out. And that, you know, cause it's not, because I, I had an experience of it that was like, you know, not what I would have written it off. <clears throat> and then I took those classes and I didn't really like them at first, because like I said, Kundalini works so fast. I got really high, like I was stoned from just taking this class. So anybody out there that wants to, you know, like get off drugs and just get high, Kundalini yoga is your game. <clears throat> but I got high, but as a military officer, you know, cause you really, you really, you know, with the West Point and then five years, nine years of military training as an officer um, and execution as an officer, um, I didn't like that high feeling. It was perfectly fine when you're off work to go out and get drunk, but you know, like getting like too high where you're just spacey. I associated that with being off my game and somebody's going to get killed. Right. So some, somebody I know is going to get killed because I'm not in charge. That's, that was my, that was my mindset. So at first I was resistant to it because I got, it was getting really high. And then one day I realized like, dude, you're just too uptight. That's what it is. <laughs> you're like, you got you to fucking relax, man. Cause you're, you know, like you're not, nobody's getting killed around here. You know, yeah. you're like that's an old idea. That's not what's going on in the present moment. You don't and need so to I, be in constant fight or flight. Yeah. Yeah. And constant control. Yeah. And so, you know, that's when Kundalini helped me realize that that's, you know, it's called the yoga of awareness because your soul's energy is the Kundalini. It's the light of the soul at the base of the spine. And when you do these exercises using angles and breath and mantra, you, you literally awaken it. And as soon as you become conscious of it, it, it starts to make you aware and teach you. The guru is within you, right? That's it's yeah. that goo is darkness, ru is light. And so um, it's the enlightening force. It's the, it's the self-revealing teacher, which is what your soul is. And sometimes that's manifested outside as a teacher who comes into form, but it's still, again, like everything we started this conversation with, it's your creation. 
So even when you get hung up on the teacher and you start thinking the teacher's your father and you may start getting angry at the teacher, it's not. It's it's the teacher's your creation. And if you get stuck on the, you know, the father figure from the earthly, you miss the whole heavens and the earth. So it's so awareness and you start to become aware. So um as <laughs> a long, long, long way to go with my story, but um I started doing yoga at the Y. And uh, and then I started really getting into it because I one day I saw so then I'm by this time I'm, I'm working in a job in real estate as my day job and um, happened to come across these really great guys who had a big real estate company at Hollywood and Vine and uh, I was tempted for them one day and they were like why are you tempting you're a West Point grad I could use you you know as as like a salesperson so anyway they gave me a better job with better money and an expense account and all that and I find myself like kind of bloated and you know from taking you know using eating all these big dinners and all that kind of yeah. stuff. And I go, I looked at myself in the mirror one day and I go, five years ago, I was in the greatest shape of my life. And like, what is, what is this? So I thought, I'm going to get into great shape again. So three days a week, I'm going to go to the gym and work out and do yoga and stuff like that. And because I couldn't lift like I did before, I, I was doing more yoga and that turned into um, the yoga just started working so good. And I, I just decided, like, I ran across this guy in, um, in one of the classes, he was like, yeah, man, you should try 40 days. Like I heard about this guy that's doing, he just decided to do 40 days straight of yoga. And when you do that, it changes things permanently. And so I was like, I can do that. You know, I'm disciplined. And so I made that like day one and I did 40 days of just yoga, not just Kundalini yoga, but all that. So getting deeply into the yoga as well as Kundalini then ultimately led me to meet my teacher, which is a whole nother very interesting story, but we probably shouldn't get into it here. But, but I met when as soon as I met my teacher, that was that was this the moment, you know, and, and that was that was mind blowing. And, um, and then I remember meditating after only a couple of classes, with my teacher, I was at home meditating. And I, and I just, I, I heard this kind of voice go, you've met your teacher. And I started laughing like a child, like, like excited, which now I put this into context for the audience makes no sense because i'm a west point graduate i'm arrogant as fuck i think i know everything and i'm you know because that's part of the training is that you're in charge right and so everywhere i go in whether i'm in charge or not i'm acting like i'm in charge um to a fault you know like the people who didn't like accept that and get into it and become my friends were like that guy's an asshole Uh which was true you know but so i was very vested in that i'm in charge thing and the concept of a teacher, let alone a spiritual teacher, didn't make any sense. So the fact that I had that moment where something said to me, you found your teacher, which is a huge thing because you get one chance to find your teacher in the life. And then I started being giddy. I mean, the only thing explanation for that is that I had done this before in this past lives. And, that, uh, and this, I was supposed to did find you know that it. in that moment. Did you like realize that in that moment or did you? That, I realized it in the joy but I didn't realize it here, right? Until yeah. years later, re- reflecting on it. And that's the difference between the practice and the cognition of it mentally. Mm-hmm. You don't need the mental cognition of it. You just have to be the energy, which yeah. is why when I found Kundalini Yoga and I found this yoga, it was an aha moment because once I started deeply getting into Kundalini Yoga, once I met my teacher, I realized that Kundalini yoga is everything they promise in the self-help books in, 
in an experience of the actual thing they're talking about. You get it? It's like yeah. everything that they're Rather describing. Rather than the idea of it, it's the experience right. of it. Yeah. Right. And then there's this, there's this long mantra called Japji. And the second section, the second stanza of it is, um, um, uh, and it's a whole like like po poetic paragraph about and how thinking and thinking you will never get there mm -hmm. and that's what it's saying it basically this long mantra is an explanation of 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 like your relationship to infinity in a human body and explains all of that and you become that so japchi is a very very powerful powerful mantra to make you in complete divine alignment um and so that one section of it is, you know, such a such is a mantra that basically says you can think and think and think for lifetimes and lifetimes and lifetimes and never get it. You have to. That's why we're called a human being. Mm. Right. Is because you have to be in the moment. And again, back to the education system, which is, you know, it's a very faulty education system that's been created. And then we think it's the greatest thing because I'm educated, but you really actually been handicapped by a lot of the concepts that take you away from your superhumanity and infinity yeah. is that we're taught to think and think and think and think and not experience and accept and just perform certain jobs, you know? Yeah. So the, the education system is primary is really like, like business school. You know, you have seen people go to business school. It's not, it's not teaching you how to be, a, a good business person and create a capitalist business and prosper. It's teaching you how to function within a corporation, how to be a cog in the wheel. Yeah. How to be a cog in the wheel. So anyway, um, uh, where, where were we going there? The first time I've lost my train. No, um, you're good. So, so the, <laughs> you're the, good. The, the, the education system, um, can teach you how to think and think and think, but what it's important is being just being human in the moment. Yeah. And that's why, like, we don't have to think that it's also some grand thing. Like when, you know, when we talk about reincarnation, all of a sudden, you know, I was Nefertiti and I was Lincoln. And, you know, people go to these grand things, you know, um, you know, it's, it's not some grand thing. You know, if you can just be a human being, contemplate your infinity and be a good person. Right. It's the, the great quote from the master is it's not the life that matters. It's the courage you bring to it. And what is courage? Corazon is the Latin root of heart, right? The corazon means heart. So courage just comes out of comes out of that. So it's just human being experiencing the energy of infinity in the moment. So that's that's actually what the word human being means. If you break it down, hue is implies light, right? Yeah. So the light of the soul. The hue is is the light of the soul, and man is the mind, which is your ability to project that light of the soul and being is the moment is right now here and now not the past not the future it's now so a human being is the light of the soul projected with the help of the mind in this moment in this moment a human being and that's that's the thing is that if you can just be human and a lot of us are being co-opted from our humanity right now with all these agendas and the vaccines of you, your audience is well hip to what they want to do with the vaccines and all that kind of stuff, transhumanism and all that kind of stuff. Um, and those, you know, sort of overlords who have, you know, used the mind control and the programming and the media to, to 
send out images of fear and all this kind of stuff and make you a zombie and make you a vampire is because that's what they are. And they're trying to get you to play with that program. But no, you're human. Just be human. If you take anything away from this conversation, if it's like, I don't want to do Kuni yoga, all this stuff you talk about, I'm not going to go read those books. I just want to have a good life. Just be human. Just, first of all, just agree that you're human. Can we just agree that you're human? Even let's everybody say it right now. I am a human I am being. A human. I'm a human I'm being. human. Because, yeah. well, let me tell you something. There's been a whole co co-opting of human beings by other forces. Yeah. And a human being, even the, the Jews have a, um, a, a word for it. It's called a mensch, right? Mm -hmm. The word mensch means he's a human. He's a good human. Like he's just a good person, right? He's because he's a human being. The, the word mensch means human being, right? Mm -hmm. And so why do they have in Yiddish that word for just, for, for just being a human being, right? We, we think that's so simple. Because being a human being is the most powerful thing that you can possibly be on this planet. And we're being programmed in the mind to not be human. Yeah. And the way people are acting towards each other in this violence and negativity and this woke bullshit and, you know, and, 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 and canceling people out and just considering people racist from birth by the color of their fucking skin. Are you kidding me? That's, that's trans, that's all transhumanism in, in, yeah. In, in programming and it's bullshit okay? oh and then how i mean how like the other piece of this too is how many people are identifying with a label on top of label on top of label on top of label on top of label to where like now when i'm speaking on something that let's say is my perception with regards to health that has nothing to do with any of those labels it is my genuine perception they can't speak to me I am a human being speaking to you as a human being. And I'm telling you that you should second guess or maybe consider whether what you are doing with regards to your health is best for you as a human being. No, it, it's not even like that anymore. It's they see me as this label, this label, this label, and they're representing this label, this label, and this label. So because of that, because that's what they're self-identifying as, they approach me from that position rather than approaching me as, okay, let's have a conversation about this human being to human being oh yeah and you know the labels are the way that you put people in boxes but again you know just like everything that they do you have to agree to it you have to yeah. in other words you have to agree to it because you're a sovereign human being and and they know that you know and you you know you're a sovereign human being with a, a counter relationship with total existence and infinity right so in order to co-opt that i have to get you to you know i have to con you into 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 believing that you're just a white person or just a black person and there's a great story i you know i as you as i mentioned i love Joseph Campbell, you know, is one of the original teachers that I followed. And it's in that book that I told you about, Reflections and the Art of Living. He tells a great story. I love this story. He was down lecturing at the State Department in Washington, D.C. And he had been going in and giving lectures to some of these guys. And um, you and I know them as GS, right? Government service. So they have a rank, but they're civilian employees. Yeah. So we have rank, you know, lieutenant, the first lieutenant captain. And um, for your audience, just as a context, in the government, they've also created ranks, but you're a civilian. It'll be like GS-10, GS-11, GS-12. So you, you have these ranks. So he said that this guy was, a, you know, a high level government service employee. And, you know, he had a pretty high rank. And he was a black man. 
And he came into, um, you know, uh, the cafeteria once and then, you know, they got their pleasantries and all that. And Joseph Campbell explaining he was teaching there and so on. So, so this guy starts going on to Joseph Campbell about all the things that are against him because he was black. And Joseph Campbell said, now this guy, he was, he had a high ranking government job, made a lot of money. He, and, and as Joseph Campbell put it, he drove a zoom, zoom sports car, right? That's the <laughs> And he goes, from where I was sitting, this guy's very successful. He goes, so I was going to give it to him both barrels. He goes, he goes to the guy, he goes, listen, he goes, he goes, you're, you know, you're, you're very successful. You're, you're a successful man. You're, you're, you have a high level government job. You're intelligent. You're educated. You've got a nice car. You've got a great salary. He goes, but the problem is that you're, you're identifying yourself by this label that you're a black man and you put yourself into this box. And he goes, as long as you're going to put yourself into that box of just being a black man, you deny yourself the privilege of being a human which is infinite. Well, he didn't say it was infinite, but he goes, as long as you're going to put yourself in that box. So he, so, so just to say is this, it was probably in the seventies or the eighties that this story happened, I, I assume, but see that program was being propagated back then. You know, it's been propagated since the, well, since the civil war and all that, they, you know, they've long known that it's, it's, it's a concept of divide and conquer yeah. and it happens in the mind. And if I can program your mind and I can, I, can, I can program you to believe that you're not unified with me because we have this, a similar soul that's connected to infinity, if, if I can take you in a, in a place where I can put you separate and, and, I, can, and I, can pit you against, I can pit you against me, then that's called divide and conquer. And if I can make you believe that, and then, I can, and then what I do is I make you believe that you're being attacked. That's a great great quote from the um from um uh from Goering, uh, who was a nazi uh herman Goering, i believe was the was the um the, the head of the luftwaffe or the german air force mm -hmm. and he says people don't want to fight he goes people don't want to fight each other we have to make them believe they're being attacked mm -hmm. and this is a quote from with the head of the nazi air force right is 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 People don't want to fight. And that's what we miss so much. We've been so programmed to fight. Look at all the, look at the video games. They're fun as hell. I, I love playing video games, mm -hmm. but, but I know them for what they are. I'm not just like getting absorbed. Yeah, if you're it. like mindless, unaware and playing. Yeah. Them, and the, the problem, the, the problem is that people are getting, you know, you know, let's kill, 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 kill. And, and, and they're being numb to the, they're being numb to their own humanity. <clears throat> and, you know, I had an experience like, what was that, um, uh, it was a, a Quentin Tarantino movie, the last one that came out, something about Hollywood. Um, uh, what was the name of it? I uh, forget the name of it. Now. I know what you're talking about. Is yeah. that the one that has uh, uh, Brad Pitt in it? Yeah, Brad Pitt and Leo are both in it, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, once it wasn't Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, was it? No, it I think was, that I think that's a different right. movie. Anyway, I you know, talking, like, keep talking and I'll, I'll tell you. Yeah, it'll come up like it came up, just like Power Plant came up. Um, <laughs> So um, I went to see that at the Arclight Theater. For those who don't know, the Arclight is a huge 72 millimeter dome, you know. Uh, it is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, by the way. Uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, thank yeah. you. And um, <laughs> so I, all, as my teacher says, all the chemtrails. <laughs> but, 
For real, though. It, it keeps people coming back to class. Yeah. <laughs> Good for business. Um, so I, I go to see Once Upon a Time Hollywood with some, you know, uh, Hollywood friends and so on. And we watch it and they get to that scene where they're just killing the um, Manson people who have come to the house. And it made me cringe, you know, and I'm, I've been pretty numb to that stuff with the military training and all that kind of stuff, but it made me cringe. And like, like this guy smashing the, somebody's head against the, you know, some, some blunt object and like five or more seconds more than it needed to be. And in full kind of graphic. And what I know, what I noticed was like, I cringed and I'm like, okay, enough is enough. I don't, I don't need to see that. And in the old days of Hollywood, that's why they go classic movies are so good is that, you know, in Jaws, they never showed the shark, right? Yeah. Until the end, because your imagination's got much, much more than that. Yeah. But they did, they, they deliberately show graphic scenes now because they want those images in your head, you yeah. know? Um, so I noticed how, like, I was cringing. I'm like, enough is enough. Just, I don't want to see this. And then the reaction of the audience was laughter. And I thought that was remarkable. Mm. And it was a lot of laughter. So at first it was quiet and then immediately it was laughter. And I looked around, I even looked at the guy next to me and he was like, <laughs> and I went, you know, nobody likes this, mm. but they're accepting it because it's Tarantino and it's cool. And it was a good movie. I enjoyed the movie. I enjoyed those movies. I, I have no problem with those entertainment because I just chant mantras while I'm there and I know I'm connected to it. And you know, and you, and I don't you care. Know. So I don't, I don't care. I'm just, I'm always, I just make it a point of, I've got a mala and I'm always chanting the mantra because I know that I'm connected to that. And, and it's, then it's just entertainment to me. And I go, oh, you know, could have used a little less violence, but I don't get hung up on it, you know, yeah. like, because I'm not going to stop living and, you know, and enjoying Tarantino movies. He's a great film director. Yeah. Right. But what I didn't, I'm just, I'm just observing what happened. Right. So so I noticed that people in the audience, they were laughing because they couldn't. And I'm just I'm making a broad stroke here. Right. But they couldn't go. This is too damn much. You know, like almost like laughing out of a trauma response. Only because we're because because we're in Hollywood. Right. And it's Tarantino. Right. And every half most of the people in that are watching it at IMAX work in the business. Right. So they're not going to, you know, they, they, it's a moral dilemma. I just, this is my observation. I could be full of shit. Or as they say, when you go into writing meetings, you can tell me to go fuck myself, but this is how I think the show should go. But, but <laughs> which is, which basically translates to either you do it my way or you're not getting the yeah, job. Yeah. Right. So, so you can tell me to go fuck myself. But what I noticed was that these people were, because they, in their minds, in the subconscious, like, I can't, this Tarantino, man, I, I, I can't say anything bad about this, but I'm uncomfortable now because this is too much violence, so I'm going to laugh about it. And that is how we become desensitized yeah. to these things, because we have a mirror response, and they're, they're called mirror neurons. And, and if I see you, Alec, right now on the screen, take a knife and start to cut your skin, I'm going to go, ah, I'm going to feel it, because I have what's called mirror neurons, because ultimately, we hold each other's imagery. Yeah. And that's how we, you know, can communicate te telepathically and so on. As we, yeah. we, but, but when I see it, uh, my mirror neurons are feeling it. And so that's why all this bombardment of violence and, and, you know, as somebody who started out as a writer, everything on Netflix and like Amazon practically sucks. My wife and I go and we look for classic movies. Like I showed her that movie with Kevin Costner. I don't know if you've ever seen this, No Way Out. 
Oh, oh my God! Everybody needs to see this movie. It's it's one of those that just kind of um, you I have know a full list of things you've told me to read and see here. So <laughs> awesome. I'm gonna add that one. Uh, so um, so 1987 it came out. It's on um, it's on Showtime right now. That's where we watched it. Okay. Um, so and then those movies come and go. But Kevin Costner plays this naval officer, uh, Annapolis grad naval officer, who. Um, who basically becomes a, a who works in the office of the Secretary of State, and he falls in love with this um, he falls in love with this high class call girl, who just happens to be um, basically uh, her sugar daddy is his boss, who's the head oh, of wow. who, who is the the defense Secretary of Defense or something like that, mm -hmm. um, or the the chair of the the Defense Committee, the, the Senate Defense Committee or something like that. Um, it's a fantastic movie, um, and and anyway, so. You know what everybody notices we watch these movies because there was a certain you know art to them that's missing now and it's not on accident you know there's i don't know if you come across that story about the um the, the guys who founded netflix and their connection to um um well, what's his name uh, the father of of, of 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 public relations um uh, to talk about. Not, He's, not George Soros, right? Somebody. No, no, the grand, the grandson of of of, of Sigmund Freud. Ah, uh, okay. Who, um, his name is just escaping me right now. Anyway, he's the father of public relations, basically. Which, um, it, the idea is was basically essentially public relations is creating a story, a narrative, a brand, so that you can sell something to somebody. Mm -hmm. But it's also heavily used by the the people who want to divide and conquer you. Yeah. And 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 to separate you from your soul and make you transhuman and you know satanic basically or yeah. you know and this let's touch on that satanic thing because that gets thrown a lot around a lot now because most of these things that they're doing to us are satanic they have their roots in satanic worship and stuff like that let's just understand the satanic you know satanic and satan and all that stuff that also comes out of the source of all things okay yeah. so we have to remember that not get pitted against one another but all it is is there's you can either move. Have you ever seen that 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 uh, Hindu swastika, which yes. is also and it's the swastika is also in Buddhism. You see it. Uh, in, you in see it everywhere. Yes. You mm -hmm. see it everywhere. Now understand this. Like that's called the wheel of life. There's actually a meditation. I've taught it where you trace that swastika with your hand and you meditate on it. Um, and I also had a, a, a I had a student who happened to be Jewish who couldn't get past that, even though I explained it to her. And what I'm going to explain to you right now, which is that that's called the sun wheel and the sun wheel in its true form, in its uh, Hindu and its Buddhist form, which you see on on the Hindu art and the Buddhist art means moving towards God. And it, it's counterclockwise. And if you look at the uh, a picture of the Milky Way galaxy it's exactly that moving in that direction. Uh, if you look at a picture of the universe, it's the, it's, it's the movement of the Taurus, right? So it's, 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 it's a counterclockwise movement like that. Mm -hmm. And that's a symbol of moving towards the infinity of the God force. What uh, Hitler did and his handlers and all that did was they took that and they inverted it and they turned it around, right? So we live on a planet of opposites. So the idea of, of, of of, of the devil, which Yogi Bhajan called the D-will, right? In religion, we've all heard about the will of God, right? And we got, I've got a line with the will of God. Now that's been co-opted and polluted and all that kind of stuff. But I'm created in the image. And my third chakra is yellow. It's, it's the sun in the belly. It's this fire element. 
And it's my dynamic willpower as a human being to, to, to exercise my free will to do A, B, or C. Now, A, B, or C can either be in line with the flow of my spirit or not, right? And if it's in line with the flow of my spirit, great. All my infinity gets behind me, all the angels, the whole universe starts to conspire in my favor. When I'm moving on the, as Joseph Campbell called it, on the beam. When I'm on, when I'm on the beam of my spirit, which is basically what, what we do in Kundalini Yoga and Meditation is that alignment, right? Yep. If I'm on the beam, then I'm moving with the spirit. When I'm not on the beam, if I do something else, it becomes karma. That's all. So I'm just not moving in, in like that. And, and because it's not in alignment with what I'm supposed to be destined for, it creates a debt. It creates a rift, right? And so what Yogi Bhajan said is, is the devil is really just the de-will. So it's a disconnection of your will from the alignment of your spirit. Mm. And, and so Satanism is just simply, um, it's, it's, what's their motto? Do what thou wilt, yep. right? So it doesn't, so, so basically the idea is that I'm going to do whatever I want for my own pleasure and, and, and that kind of stuff. And it doesn't matter who it harms and those sorts of things. And then the reason that they get into all of these nasty uh, rituals with the blood and, the, and, and that kind of stuff is that they're trying to get energy to energize that, yeah. right? But that's all that is. And so we shouldn't fear any of this satanic stuff or the devil stuff is because all you got to do is align with that. And there's plenty of mantras, you know, if you're in the Christian tradition, all that kind of stuff, you know, you, you do those prayers and that kind of stuff that keep you away from that. But that movie, the exorcist and all that stuff, that's all very real, you know, and, yeah. and you know, like those demons that, you know, if you, I, I always love how people are unaccepting of like this whole satanic stuff because you know they either don't want to accept it but yeah. yet they'll say i believe and i have my guardian angels and i'm in my angel you want to let's do my angel cards and all this stuff but they won't believe that there's other things but you know by the law of duality if there's angels it's got to be demons yes if the angels can work through me then the demons can work through me yep. and that's why we discourage you know alcohol well, that's why alcohol is called spirits right why because when i drink alcohol i shut down my pituitary gland right? I shut down my pituitary gland and then I'm open to co-option and I put holes in my aura yeah. but with drugs and alcohol. I, you know, I, I did all that stuff, right? And, and and so I'm talking from experience. I'm not just some guy all dressed in white with a hat on saying, <laughs> you know, um, saying, you know, do, do this. I, you should do what I do because, uh, you know, all I got is a hammer and everything's a nail, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but no, it's it's just that it's, you know, it's it's all good. Yeah. It's, it's, it's all good. We just have to realize that um, I can either go towards my spirit or I can go away from it. And so, you know, like the, 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 the big deal is to have no, to become fearless, right? And to become fearless, you need to experience, you need to be a human being and experience the flow of your spirit. However you do that, it's great. Some people need more and some people have more stuff that they need to heal. So they need to do more meditation. Like we were talking when we very started, like, um, why is it so hard if I've got an education and I come, I see something with my own eyes that disproves my education. I'm reluctant to give that up. What I'm seeing from my own eyes, yeah. because the, the program is so heavy because I, I created it. So we have to systematically um, deprogram ourselves because we created the program. Somebody offered it to us, right? It was available, but ultimately if you consider that, that again, back to the cycle of the intellect, I choose one thought and then it gets energized and, and because it gets energized, it becomes electromagnetic. And then all the event, everything I need 
shows up. So if I have an anger program that I'm running because let's say my dad was an asshole, right? And he hammered me all the time unnecessarily, right? Mental abuse or what have you. If, I, if that's what's going on, then I have then developed a problem with authority. And I, as soon as that anger thought form comes up, maybe I don't want to deal with his memory anymore because I'm off doing other things, right? But then, you know, my boss then becomes an asshole, mm-hmm. right? Because what happens is that's the thought form of the, the you know, the, the angry authoritarian figure who oppressed me is created and that thought form exists in my subconscious mind. Mm-hmm. So when the thought, the thousand thoughts drop in and that one thought of, you know, shit, Alec, he's looking at me just like my dad used to look at me because he thinks I'm not good enough to talk to these, these people on this thing. That's what he really thinks. He's having me on this freaking program because he just wants to embarrass me just like my dad embarrassed me. He, mm-hmm. you know, so you see that what happens is I got the one thought that Alec is against me right? Which is, it's non-reality. It's just not what's really going on. It's being filtered through a lens, yeah. right? Of the subconscious. So all of a sudden I, I got that thought out of a thousand, but because I identify with it, because I created that, I ultimately created that whole situation yeah. out of my karma, right? So this is really that free will. I came in and, and, and I had that stuff from my past life pumping. Because at some point I had, you know, I had a problem with my father in a past life. He stole my horses and I killed him, you know, and, you know, like in that past life. So I come in. Did you determine that through a past life regression or? No, my teacher yelled at me once (laughs) in front of 170 people in Russia. And uh, I I don't even barely remember how it happened. But anyway, that's. uh, I I just use that as an example. I don't even know that that's true. He just said, I don't even know if that was a real example or whatever. Uh But uh, it was one of those cases where he's just, uh, but, but so the example is, 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 uh, is, is I have created that thought form, right? Because I, I, because I, I had it from a past life and I created it and ultimately I have to, you know, um, destroy it as well, you know, or just demagnetize it. Mm. And so, you know, the, everything is coming from a thought that I've chosen, mm. right? And and, and if I'm constantly having conflicts and anger with authority figures because of that thought form or what have you, if I'm constantly, if I'm on my third divorce, right? The, you know, the, the, the problem is there in, in the subconscious and it's magnetically sending out a signal that's saying, give me more of this, right? Wow. And in order to change that, I need to do some sort of meditation that allows those things to release and or mantra meditation is the most powerful because the entire universe is made up of sound, universe, one song, and, and universe, right? Each one of us is an individual that has a verse to contribute, right? Mm-hmm. A, a, unique, a unique verse, a universe, right? So we're universes unto ourselves because I have a unique verse to contribute. Mm-hmm. And I'm made in the image, and this is my reality. And it's in a, in a sense, it's the ultimate reality, and it's my ultimate projection. So I'm pulling in these thoughts and I'm reacting to them and that's creating more of the same. So I'm on my third divorce or I, I, I have problems. I get fired from these jobs because every, you know, I'm basically laying my father figure over every boss or every cop or every, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So in order to get out of this, what we have to do is we have to gather energy like Castaneda's Master tells them you're, you're, you're stalking energy. I ha- I'm, I'm gathering energy. So yoga will do it. Qigong will do it. Kundalini yoga is just the fastest way that I found on the planet to do this stuff. Um, 
and I'm gathering energy so that like, and, and I'm chanting mantras, you know, I'm using mantras, the very sophisticated primal sounds that create a pattern that just cut these thoughts, you know? And so, so mantra meditation is the most powerful thing that you can do because the universe is sound because it's all energy and energy vibrates and, and, and everything that vibrates has a particular frequency of signature. And, and the easiest way to, to, uh, um, to codify that is to say like you've walked, everybody's walked under some power lines and you hear this power lines buzzing. Well, those electrons are, are, are so many volts are going through there yeah. and so many electrons are going through there that it starts to buzz. Right. So it makes sound. So energy makes sound and everything is energy. So everything makes sound. Therefore, ergo, if I, if I use certain sounds and I vibrate those sounds, I can create a resonance into the universal fabric and get back what I want. And so the essence of like chanting mantras is, um, and, you know, as my teacher says, Kundalini Yoga was uh, not created to fix fucked up people. Uh, it was created to create, it was, it was created to create superhuman beings. It can and will fix fucked up people, but it, it's really a superhuman science. So that said, I get into Kundalini Yoga, I want to orient myself towards, I'm an infinite being and I'm, I'm, I'm going towards that infinity and becoming the best version of me on this planet so I can contribute my one verse, my unique thing to, the, to, to, the, you know, to this existence, leave something on the earth behind that I'll be remembered by. This is good because yeah. this is like, <laughs> I don't even think I need to ask you the, so I always ask the, my guests two final questions and you're uh -huh. kind of answering one, which is uh, why is like, why are we here? That's what I ask like the first of the last two. And is, is that in your mind uh, why we are here just to contribute our unique experience to the whole? Well, you know, um, back to Joseph Campbell, he said, you know, what, what's the meaning of life? Um, he said, there's, there is no meaning of life. We bring the, we bring the meaning to life. Um, so actually let me pull up the quote exactly because um, uh, I'll tell you what, it's that, it's that good because the last part of it is like, the question doesn't even matter. Uh, you know, yeah. so well, the meaning of life is you bring the meaning of life, you know, and then Yogi Bhajan said that you the, the, the purpose of life is to leave something behind to create something that will outlive you on the planet. Uh. Um, and there's a great book uh, called The End of Mr. Why. It's a fictional book, but it's just it, it speaks to just that in a really cool fictional sense where um, Mr. Why characters, um, he, this one guy is remembered by like eight people. And that's what keeps him alive in the afterlife is his, uh, the memory of these eight people. And so he's traveling around in these other worlds being remembered by these eight people, but that's what's energizing him. And I honestly, I think that's what, um, that's the whole purpose of leaving something behind. But, you know, my philosophy, my personal take on it is, which why we bought this land and we want to create a healing center is I want to create something that's going to be a place where people, where the teachings can live for the next well, a couple thousand years of the Aquarian age. Please uh -huh. wish me luck. <laughs> I'm so excited for that. And I'm going to have to come visit for sure. Oh yeah. Well, you're more than always welcome. Um, but anyway, I hope I finished that thought about the um, energizing of the thoughts and that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. You know, because we, you know, it, the, the bottom line is um, I'm an infinite being and I can get into these practices. Once I start becoming aware and unearthing this stuff, the real easy thing to do is to get into that. Um, uh, I was looking for that, that, that quote. The real easy thing to do is to get, is, is, is to get into a place where you're um, 
down on yourself, right? As soon as you get into the concept of karma, the first thing is your negative mind wants to grab onto it and go, oh, yeah. I'm just a bad person, you know? It's not true. Shame, like, you know, guilt, like the with, lowest of low energies, right? Yeah, I want to move to um, just the attitude that I'm just an infinite being and I'm moving towards being a superhuman being. And, you know, and, and those faults are just going to, you know, fall off at some point. So um hopefully this comes up right away we'll see um of course it doesn't really participate um but uh, it's actually on my instagram it can be found on my instagram my wife asked me these questions and said and she called them writing prompts and i just one of them was what's the meaning of life and i did that that's um, great so um but basically is that what's the meaning of life there is no meaning of life we bring the meaning to it um um that's there's uh, forget exactly what it was the question but anyway we'll move on yeah so uh, what was, what's the other question that you ask your I'm, I'm excited for this answer so i ask <laughs> everyone this and it catches them off guard if you had two to five minutes to share an unfiltered unedited message that was to be shared on all mainstream news platforms so like hypothetical situation where a news reporter comes up to you in the street and is like hey you have two to five minutes to share a message with the world that you think the world needs to hear what would you say what would I say? Um, I would say, you know, it, we come into this world and um, it's a world of opposites. And we experience all the beauty and the joy of this existence through our emotions because of these opposites. And there's really only two currents on this planet uh, that, we, that, that we can draw all of our experiences back to. And that's fear and love. Mm -hmm. So there's only, two, there's only really two currents so any action that you've ever taken, anything that's ever happened to you, anything that you're struggling with, you can trace it back to either, did this come out of my reaction to this thing in either fear or love? Mm -hmm. And fear is ultimately not real because the spirit is just a flow of love. And this is all being borrowed from my teacher because he says this all the time. Um, and so, you know, what else can you do, right? This, this, the, the, that's the purpose of your teacher. And, and he, he says that at the end of the day, when you take your last breath, the only thing that they want to know when you reach the other side is um, you know, how much love did you give? So there's, it's what, what you're living in your life is you're either living out of a reaction to fear, like so vengeance, for example, when you want to get even with somebody that can be traced back to a fearful thought. You know, I fear that they're going to do something to me. So I have to be, I have to take revenge or they did something to me and I fear it's going to happen again. So I have to take revenge. Um, but those, but that's, but but fear ultimately, at the end of the day, when you go all the way back up, the source of everything is love, and it has to have an opposite on this planet. So they've created fear has been created, but fear is not real. It's a fabrication that came out of this love. So I would say to anybody and everybody, just give more love as much as you can, and drop all the fear from your life. Boom. That was and good. That was perfect. That's what I got. <laughs> that was good. Blame it right there.